Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week, we come together uh, hoping to have conversations that are edifying to you, and we, we kind of talk about everything on this show. We talk about theology and ministry and missions and church history and Sometimes we like to have conversations that are just incredibly practical, biblical, uh, but also practical. And we have a lot of students in our school that are also parents. And so we've been taking some time to have conversations about raising kids uh, from a biblical perspective, what that looks like. And so for today's conversation, I've invited Pastor Kenny Morgan, uh, who is the discipleship pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. Uh, but he also spends a lot of time in his fellowship class here at the church uh, discussing parenting and marriage issues. And so this is something that's very common for him to, to be talking about, to be counseling through, is, is how to raise kids. And uh, he also has two teenage kids. And so uh, this is something he's right in the, in the throes of, is raising teens. And so uh, today's conversation is specifically about what it looks like to have teenagers and to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, which is not always an easy thing to do. I was a high school teacher and, uh, and a high school youth pastor for many years. I spent a lot of time working with teens. And uh, that's, not a very, that's not a very easy prospect is raising teenagers. It's not easy, it's, it's difficult. And so we wanna have a conversation that would maybe give you some keys, some biblical principles, but also just good sound counsel and advice about how to approach your teenage kids. And so that's what we'll be doing today is discussing that. And with that, I want to say hello. Welcome to my dear friend. Absolutely, man. Kenny Morgan. Yeah, good to be with you. It's, it's good to hang out. It's been a while since we've done an episode together. It has. Yeah. So this is good. So you're not mad at me? That it's been a while? Yes. No, of course okay, not. Okay. I can't, I can't be mad at you about anything. Well, give me time. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you were kind of tired. You've, you're teaching several classes this semester in LFBI. You're teaching foundations too and the realities of biblical mm. discipleship class not to mention overseeing other classes you're you've had a busy day today yeah but but you know coming here and hanging out with you and getting to just like i said do what we typically do during the week this yeah. is this is actually refreshing so so yeah. kenny uh, probably twice a week trudges up the three flights of stairs to get to my office yeah. and then camps out for, you know, an hour and, and we talk about life, ministry. Yeah. So this is this is fairly natural environment for us. It is. Okay, so I want to be, begin um, asking, we'll get right into it if you don't mind. Sure. I want to begin by asking you, uh, what do you believe is the hardest part of raising teenagers, mm -hmm. particularly when we're talking about, you know, 2021, mm -hmm. um, Things are weird. It's a, it's a weird world. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. And raising teens who are also weird. Yeah, <laughs> teens are weird, and they're and they're very malleable mm -hmm. and impressionable. Uh, tell us what's the hardest part about raising teens in this particular climate, this world. Well, I think the I think the key word that you said is world. Mm -hmm. So when we think about that word, we know that Satan is the god of this world. So now we can quickly identify the challenge. We can, mm -hmm. we can quickly identify what is difficult or challenging about raising kids in the world that Satan is the God of. Right. And because he is the God of this world, he has an agenda 
for my children. He has an agenda for all of God's children. He has an agenda for even lost children. Mm -hmm. I think we get a very good breakdown of this in Daniel chapter 1, where yeah. you can see there was this very clear agenda that was set to deprogram God's children and reprogram them in a Chaldean way. Yeah. Right. They wanted to change their speech. They wanted to change their diet. They wanted to change everything. Their education. Their education. Yeah. Why? Because they wanted to change how they thought. Because now if they can get their mind, well, now they've got their heart, they've got their speech, they've got their decisions. And I think that's always for me, that's always stood as the blueprint. And so that's it. I am, I am wrestling with an adversary that is trying to counter everything that God has called me to do as a father in terms of how I'm to train up my children in the way they should go. Mm -hmm. And so Satan has an agenda. He uses the world and he uses their flesh to try and counter what pleases God in their life. And so that's what it, that's what it comes down to day in and day out mm -hmm. is making sure that we are insulating them and equipping them for that battle that only rages as they get older. Yeah. And so in, in that regard, in that framework, we are on the defense like that's the defensive part of what we do sure. as parents is we're protecting them, shielding them against that kind of that systematic deprogramming. Right. Oh, yeah. But what about the positive part of that, the, of the training part? Um, why is it that having teens is also a strategic time, like in terms of the positive and things that you want to get done? In what ways is having teens a very important um season for your own life but sure. also for theirs and, and ministry and and all of that absolutely so as as parents if we want our children to have a biblical worldview we have to possess that ourselves mm -hmm. so if we have a biblical worldview then we have a right perspective on youth and we have a right perspective on teenagers right so one of the things that we know that paul said to timothy was let no man despise thy youth Right. God doesn't despise youth. Mm -hmm. It's a very critical time for training and envisioning. I mean, you can look all through Scripture. Joseph, Jeremiah, God uses teenagers. Yeah. God uses young people. And so for us, if that's our worldview, which is biblical, then we understand that, you know, wait a minute. It's not that God is desiring to use them someday. Mm -hmm. God desires to use them today, right now, where they are yeah. in school, through all the different relational avenues that they have, whether it be sports or or choir or whatever it might be, through those relationships, uh, if we're doing our job right, then they are viewing those relationships correctly and they understand that they're ministers, they're soldiers for Christ mm -hmm. where they are. And so it's a it's a time where we're we're helping them to uh, establish a foundation that will carry them into their adult years. And so they can look back and see, wow, God's been using me since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. I mean, some of the things that we talk about, my children have Bible studies in our home. They spend time with, so cool. with their classmates. And so we, we talk about all that, how to view that, how to approach that, how to minister to people, how to interpret their responses. And I mean, it is... It is the same level of intensity from a ministry training perspective as we exercise here in the work of the ministry with wow. adults. Yeah. It's exciting. It's super exciting. That that is exciting. Yeah. 
Thank goodness you only have two, though. Yes. Because if you had ten, <laughs> well, that'd be that'd be exhausting. That'd be crazy. Um, yeah. But so yeah. you know, with that said, so we yeah. talked about like there's a there's a defensive part. There's also an offensive part. Yes. So now your kids are being deployed into their schools mm -hmm. to live out the Great Commission and uh, coaching them in that is such mm -hmm. a, an important thing. And you're you're getting to see them manifest their gifts and mm -hmm. and we'll get into all of that. But you know, as you do that, as you as you you know figure out how to insulate them. But then also, you know, extend them mm -hmm. into into the battle. It's such an important thing to to have balance oh, yeah. and to know your children. And so, I want to ask you about in, how do you encourage biblical character and encourage all the right things uh, in terms of setting proper expectations. So, like f for instance, autonomy. Mm -hmm. You know, how much liberty do you give a kid? How do you make those? Like, I think there are so many parents today who recognize that the end goal is to give their, like their kids are going to leave their house one day and they need to be able to function as adults. Mm -hmm. But how do you start to give them the appropriate measure of freedom uh, so that you're still protecting them, mm -hmm. but all then also giving them opportunity to be deployed into the world and, and to do God's bidding? Sure. That's... Uh that's a loaded question. Yeah, no, I know it is. It really is. I mean, we we could we could actually just spend the rest of the time just breaking that down because it is it it is huge. So, one of the things that and, and you you hit on a few very critical words and and, and one is character. Mm -hmm. And in terms of when we're talking about teens, I, I I can't stress this enough. If if we're turning up the intensity on on developing right character in the teen years, mm -hmm. then we're late to the party. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's been a lot of research that shows that the character bent or the character trajectory of children, in terms of the direction that it's going to go, it's usually set early. Yeah. I mean, you're talking somewhere by the age of seven in terms of, and so from that, one of the things that, that the Lord taught me, and I think is very, very critical, is that children are always showing you the type of adult they're going to become. Hmm. So as you're watching them, as you're, as you're watching them grow and develop, as you're seeing that, if you're, because I also believe too, that every parent needs to be an excellent student of their children. Right? There can be mm -hmm. no passive parenting. One of the reasons for that is because we only get one shot at this. Right. That's it. You only get one shot at parenting with your kids, right? So as you're watching them, what they're showing you is they're showing you whether or not you need to encourage the direction that they're going or discourage it. Mm -hmm. And so that's very intentional. So you have to study and you have to watch them and you're watching them. You're watching the decisions that they're making that are of the will. And what you're looking for is, are they, are they applying, are they embracing the things that we're teaching them mm -hmm. about character, about not being selfish, about being thankful? Do they say thank you without having to be reminded to say thank you? Mm -hmm. Do they share without having been coached or, or told to share? Things like that, and so as you're as you're as you're watching that, you're it's letting you know what you need to encourage or discourage, right? But then, as they're getting older, one of the things that the Lord has has taught me is like it's it's like children are in your hand, mm 
right? And the, you throw it off and you're, you, you, you've got a, a kind of a death grip, if you would, mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, by default, you have to begin to let them go. Mm-hmm. You have to begin to loosen your grip. You just have to. Because as they get older, they have to own their relationship with God more, which means they're owning their decisions more, which means hopefully they're making decisions that are to his pleasure, honor, and glory. As you're watching that, what that's doing is that is now informing you at what level you can entrust them yeah, that's at good. what level they can be autonomous. So I've, I've always communicated this to my children. I will always entrust you at the level that you've proven I can trust you. Mm-hmm. So as, as I'm watching, because again, and I'm not saying I, I'm perfect at it or I get it right every time, but I study my children constantly Many times they have no idea that yeah, I am. You've mentioned that a couple of times yeah. now. Like, and I want to camp out there for just a mm-hmm. second before we get back to like the autonomy part sure. and, and how you've entrusted your kids. Sure. But I think it's really important to know how to do that. What you're describing is a craft that you've developed um, uh, in terms of observation. And I think a lot of parents probably would say, okay, yeah, that sounds good, but what does that mean? Like, what kind of note-taking are you doing? What kind of environment are they, they, they in when you're, you're watching for those things? Um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that there's specific situations where you're seeing what they're going to do. Sure. And then you're kind of taking mental notes. Maybe explain that process a little bit so we can get a, a grasp on, on how that might work in our own lives. Absolutely. So, you know... If we can hit rewind a little bit, you know, one of the things that that we that we worked on, you know, one of the things that that, that Paul said to Timothy is that Timothy, you you've got to know how to behave in the house of God. Mm. Okay, so one of the things that I used to do is I would just watch my children from a distance when they're sitting in the worship service. They have no idea I'm watching them. And there could be kids around them during the worship or during the preaching who are distracted by whatever it might be, and they're right next to my children. Mm -hmm. I'm watching to see how they respond to that. Do they get involved in that? Do they indulge in that? Or do they just stay focused? I look at that. I look at, you know, if I'm going out of town when they were younger, and, you know, one of the things that has become a staple in, in our home is family meetings. Hmm. Those are very important and and they, you know, they're as important as they were. But when the children were younger, those were times where I would sit down and communicate very clearly regarding because when it comes to expectations as a parent, you have to be crystal clear. Children need to know what is expected of them and why. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going out of town, I would sit down with my children and my wife and say, hey, I'm going to be gone for X amount of time. And as I'm gone, this is what I expect in terms of how you're going to behave with mom. And when I come back, I'll be talking to mom to see how that went. Mm -hmm. And so, and sure enough, I get back and and Lori and I would sit down. And one of the questions I would have is, how did the how how did the children do? How did they behave? Things like that. I I was I was very welcoming and inviting of feedback from their counselors and teachers at church. Mm-hmm. Not just the positive, but give me the constructive. And without fail, whenever there was constructive feedback, it never surprised me. And my response typically was, I appreciate that. We are addressing that. We're working on that at yeah. home. 
Right. And so now what I'm looking for, because I'm going to coach to that and I'm going to address that. So now what I'm looking for is when I follow up with that counselor, that teacher, how's that going? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm watching their, their teachers at school, you know, just their feedback. Anyone that has a role or a place in their life, I want to hear, and I would definitely want to hear in those early training years, because it let me know which direction they were going, if they were really receiving what we were giving them. Yeah, that's good. Now, so since we rewinded a little bit, let's fast forward again. And so obviously your kids are, are you know, that's what you know is your children. What were you looking for if we're talking about autonomy to know that you could let Ken go to the football game without, you know, or whatever it is, go to this sporting event or be at this event without you there, without you present so that you could trust him? I mean, the issue is trust, right? Mm -hmm. um, how much space or how much, uh, you know, how much rope can you give him? Sure. Right. And so how do you come to those conclusions about what they're allowed to do? Absolutely. The short answer is this, and, and, and I'll, give you, I'll give you some examples, but the, the short answer is this. The biggest thing that I'm looking for is the decisions that they're making on their own to seek and walk with God. Like, they're not reading their Bible. They're not spending time with God because I said so yeah. or for me. But they're doing it because they're owning their relationship with God. They desire to sit at His feet daily and hear His Word, and their heart is set to pleasing Him. Mm -hmm. That ultimately tells me how I can trust them. In mm -hmm. situations like going to a football game or or even having a smartphone, which we'll probably get right. to. Yeah, yeah. But let me give you an example. So Ken would have been our son Ken, he he's seventeen now, he just turned seventeen. He's a junior in high school. Bree, Aubrey, you call her Bree. Mm -hmm. She's fifteen. She's a, a sophomore in high school. But when Ken, he was an eighth grader, he he was in, in middle school, okay. And we go to the high school football game in, in our town. And so he wanted to sit with his friends. There, there was a section where you know they all sat, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to ruin that for him. And sure. I'm a football fan too. Sure. I want to see the game myself. Yeah. So I chose to sit probably eight rows up from him, and but I had a I had a clear view of him with his friends, and obviously I couldn't hear what was going on, but I I just saw a lot of movement and a lot of chatter, and he was right in the middle of all of it. And he was trying to watch the game. And I didn't really know what was happening. Afterwards, he he came to me, and what he explained was he said that there were some boys that had their phones, and they were looking at things that were inappropriate. Mm. And at one point, I remember watching him, and I saw him turn away very aggressively and just look straight ahead. And I just, I, I really didn't. You couldn't interpret what I was I couldn't interpret what was happening, but as he and I discussed it later, that's what he was doing. Mm. I mean, in that moment, I mean, he came face to face with temptation. He and 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 as a matter of fact, one of the guys who was doing it, he was the most popular guy in junior high, the best athlete. And what Ken told me was was that kid had said to him, "Hey man, why don't you just say this word? Just cuss, just one time." So here he is at a football game. Mm -hmm. And he's being tempted with looking at something inappropriate on someone's phone and speaking corruptly. And so, again, he just, you know what? That doesn't please God. 
I'm not going to do that. Mm. You know, those are the moments that we train for because yeah. they're coming. Yeah. That's what we teach. That's why we pray. That's why we fast, right? Is because those, our children, the devil has those moments mapped out for them. And so as I, as I, as I watch that, it, it tells me where he's at, tells me where his heart is set to. Mm. And so, you know, this in the same vein of thought, the cell phone thing is a huge issue. Yes, it is. And it's it's a tough nut to crack, really, because a lot of times I don't think you know. And maybe there's maybe there's alternatives. Maybe there's options of easing someone into that responsibility. You know, um, they they make cell phones now that are limited in their capabilities, and so there might be someone might have a plan that's completely appropriate. But in terms of watching a kid and observing them and seeing whether or not they're trustworthy, the cell phone is like is just the world, everything the world has to offer, every single thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, from from the red light districts to, you know, anything, just anything you want, street fighting, like there's all of it's there, right? Just uh -huh. every vulgar and strange thing that, that that's available, it's right there at their fingertips. And so what does it look like in your home in terms of insulating, protecting, being a protective, the protective parent that you mm -hmm. need to be, but then also teaching them how to have liberty. What are the conversations like, and, and how did you approach that? Sure. So let's. Uh, we're going to keep hitting rewind because okay. there's there's just uh, there are quite a few examples in in the vault, if you would, that yeah. are applicable to the questions you're asking. But it was a couple years ago, I would say probably four years ago, somewhere in there for Christmas, we. We got our children cell phones, and Lori and I we we discussed that together, and mm -hmm. and to to make sure that hey we're on the same page here, we're we're at peace. We believe that they're both at a place where we can entrust them with these. Mm -hmm. Part of it was it was also a security issue with you know coordinating pickups and things like that if we're going to be late or if there's something like that, sports events practices all like of that, that. yeah. And so that that was part of it, but another part of it was was we really wanted we thought it would be a, a a nice gift for them, and so we we got them phones, and of course they opened the boxes and they were ecstatic and excited. And, yeah. And my son goes, so this has a full data plan. I was like, as a matter of fact, it does. And so we we helped them set their phones up and all of that. And then once the honeymoon of that wore off, I said, okay, everybody to the table, and we had a family meeting on Christmas evening right we're at the family table and i said okay i want you to hear from me very clearly these are your phones you can use them you can enjoy them as as much as as you like but i need you to hear from me very carefully do not give me a reason to take them from you because i will if i have to if you prove to me that you can't handle these mm -hmm. i will take them from you Mm -hmm. And I will not return them to you, except I am convinced I can entrust you with them. Mm. And so one of the things that I have been known to do, and I did it not that long ago, I think you and I have probably talked about mm -hmm. this, um, and not that, you know, with my daughter, with both of them, we, we do have to watch the amount of time, the screen time, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they, it can really own them if they're not careful and if we're not careful. But with my son in particular, I, I am my interest is very peaked in terms of his usage and, and, and where he's going with it. But my son never knows when I'm going to do this, but I have been known 
and I did it not long ago, where I will walk into his room at 1.30 in the morning and I will say, I need your phone. That's it, I need your phone. And I will take his phone and I will go lie in my bed at 1.30 in the morning and I am just randomly, I'm looking at his browsing history, I'm looking at his text threads, I'm looking at his social media accounts. I, I'm just I'm just looking at all of that. Mm -hmm. And what I'm looking for, I'm looking to see, okay, I just wanna make sure that we can trust you with this device. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, for the glory of God, I've never had to have a constructive conversation about that. And he's never challenged my request for his phone. Right. The last time I did it, before I walked out of his room, I asked him this question. I said, is there anything that I'm going to come across on this phone that you're gonna to have to explain? And he looked me in the face and he said, no, and rolled over and went back to sleep. Mm. So, praise God. Yeah, that's, that's a, a refreshing story, but it's the accountability that you're employing that makes that work. In other words, there was accountability before the phone, there was accountability the moment they got the phone. There's accountability, you know, random screen checks, if you will. Sure. Um, and so I assume if back to the analogy of loosening the grip, as they get older, as they get to full adulthood, those checks will obviously dissipate. You won't be doing that as often because at some point they're going to live in the world. Right. And there won't be, dad won't be walking in the room at 1.30. Sure. And so that's, building character, precept upon precept, but then also principally, principle upon principle right. until absolute freedom, you know, can transpire. Right, absolutely. So um, what about dating relationships? Because I think it's a similar, it could be a similar thing. Sure. Um, similar thinking in terms of the, the loosening of the grip. How does that function? What does that responsibility look like? as you raise your teens? Well, let me emphatically answer, let me emphatically begin to address that by saying, as it pertains to, to, to dating and marriage, my daughter's never getting married, so we don't have to even oh, okay. worry about yeah, that. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. We'll, we'll see what she has to say about that in a few years. She's promised me, <laughs> she's, she's good. She has the Lord, she has me, and she has her brother. She has all the men she could possibly ever need, okay? So she's never getting married, all right? so. It, it, on a serious note, it, it comes back to the issue of a biblical worldview, mm -hmm. which if we have, then we will give that to our children. We, we will help them establish that in their lives. And so if we have a biblical worldview, if we're biblicists, then now we're looking at everything through the lens of God's word, mm -hmm. including dating. So we've had those discussions. We continue to have those discussions. And they are essentially rooted in this. The Apostle Paul said, it is not good for a man to touch a woman, okay? But nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's it. So here's what I have communicated very clearly to my children. If you ever want to come and have a conversation with me about dating, my question to you is going to be, then you're ready, are you ready to be a spouse? Are you ready to be a husband? Are mm -hmm. you ready to be a wife? Right. Because if the answer is no, then my next question is going to be, why would you date? Mm -hmm. What's the point? What are you going to do? 
it's not good for a man to touch a woman. So that tells you what your options are if you're right. not married. Yeah. Which they're zilch. Right. Okay. <laughs> so what are you going to do if you're not ready to mm-hmm. be a spouse? And so from that perspective, it, it has essentially eliminated those pressures and issues. And I have, from a coaching perspective, I have consistently reminded my children that they will never regret this. Mm-hmm. They will not. It will be worth the wait. It will be worth doing it God's way. I yeah. wish I had that when I was their yeah. age. And, and to that point, like, because I know how you were raised. I know what it was like. Yes. So I grew up in a Christian home. My mom was fairly conservative, single parent home. I remember in sixth grade entering into what was like a, um, what did they call it? Uh, So anyway, I had this kind of quasi girlfriend in sixth grade. Well, my mom found out about it. She was like, you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Now she never gave me a justification. I I thought it had something to do with our faith and, uh, but she never used a biblical explanation. It was just a prohibition. It was a, it was kind of a blind prohibition. And at the age of 16 was when she was comfortable with me dating. And that's the way she said it was just arbitrary. Mm -hmm. It was like, not right now, but when you turn 16, okay? And for her, that was a that felt like a Christian perspective because it was a form of prohibition that was intended to protect me, but it was it was still arbitrary. And then so when I turned 16, I still didn't have any of the principles I needed sure. to behave myself rightly, and I was definitely not ready, as you say, to get married. And so I think there's lots of Christian experiences like that with teens where it's like a parent wants to do what's right. They have an assumption of what that looks like. Then they use some sort of false model, maybe something they saw somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, not now, but at this point, yes. But it's really just um, legalistic boundaries that don't really mean anything. What you're suggesting is that if we're using biblical principles to guide our children, then when they hear at age 16 or 17, oh, um, well, this is the Bible says that you, that you would enter into a relationship like that because you're preparing to have a spouse. Correct. Right? Um, then a, a teenager, when they hear that, hear that and, they, and they love the Word and they love the Lord, they say, yeah, I'm not ready for that, so I'm not interested in having a serious relationship. And so they very easily, logically, biblically step back and they reassess and they move forward in faith. And uh, and so I say all that to say, like what you're describing is is absent even in Christian homes because so many Christian parents don't understand themselves the biblical principles that surround these things so they don't know how to teach their kids. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're gonna pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. I'm Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, Ohio, and a recent graduate of the Living Faith Bible Institute. LFBI was a great chance for me to grow, to learn, to continue my education without having to take time away from my family or my own ministry. In fact, being able to take classes at my own pace ultimately allowed me to be more effective in my ministry. I can't tell you how invaluable it is for LFBI to be structured in such a way that you're encouraged to implement what you learn in ministry and not just sit on the information for yourself. 
It was a great experience to hear from a variety of instructors uh, from other ministries and parts of the country in tandem with serving my local church. Through LFBI, I received a library of resources that I'll be able to reference for the rest of my life. It was curated by the experience and the countless hours of study put in by the instructors. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all those that invested in and equipped me for the work of the Lord. In addition to the information and resources, I was able to develop relationships with so many of the students and the instructors that have impacted my life and the way that I view ministry. There was a lot of info to retain and there's still a lot that I don't know, but perhaps the greatest takeaway from LFBI is the confidence to be able to compare scripture with scripture and rightly divide the word of truth so that I can be certain of what God says for myself. This is an approach to the Bible that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So if anyone's interested in learning what God's word has to say, I'd encourage you to sign up for the Living Faith Bible Institute. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org support. Well, so the whole dating experience as we've come to know it, it is most certainly more cultural than it is biblical. Yeah, it's a secular idea. It absolutely is, yeah. right? And so what I have what I have what I've done and what I do with with my children is it, it's it's not just that conversation that says, well, hey, if you're not ready to be a spouse, then sure. what's the point? But what I've done is is I, I've tried to to help them see the other side of 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 what they're what they're seeing at school. What they're seeing at school is they're seeing young people you know, get very serious and very involved in these dating relationships that ultimately lead to fornication. Yeah. And so what I have what I have communicated to my children is that, you know, what what they're not thinking about, and I'm gonna tell you because you know, I didn't grow up in a in a Christian home or I didn't have a biblical worldview as a as a teenager, as a as a young person. But to my children I want to understand is is for a lot of those people by the time they do get to the marriage altar, they have so much baggage and so much regret and so much dysfunction that they're going to carry into their marriage. Yeah. And if you think that doesn't have an impact on the divorce epidemic as we've come to know it, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. Right. And so my message to them is the decisions that you're making right now, they do touch your tomorrow. You yeah. have to understand that. But I've also I've also coached my children to listen, I think it's good for you to be in settings that are co ed. Yeah. It's good, particularly with my son. We talk about things like, hey, listen, when you're when you're in the company of of, of young ladies or even women or even girls, okay, here's how here's how you handle that. You look them in the eye, okay, so your your eyes are always eye to eye. You're mannerable, you're kind, you're a servant, you're protecting, right? That's they're they're not they're not items for your viewing pleasure. Mm -hmm. They're not property for your selfish enjoyment. They belong to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so you are only looking to be a gentleman, you're only looking to be a man, and you're learning how to behave yourself 
in their company, in their presence. You're not crude. You're, you're not insensitive. You're, you don't say things that cut and hurt. What am I doing? I'm trying to help him. I'm laying the groundwork for him to be a husband. Mm-hmm. And then with my daughter, just training her to be able to identify a real man. Yeah. What does a real man look like? Mm-hmm. And, and all of that. And so it's, again, it's not just don't date because I said so, but but let's talk about why, because as they get older, it's not just the what. We have to give them the why. Right. And I, I think what you're talking about is these are really sober conversations. Oh, yes, they are. And I don't think yeah. that a lot of parents are having these conversations or they're having them so far in the game that they're not one step ahead. They're one step behind. Yeah. And I think being a step ahead of your kids in terms of their development is really critical, knowing what it means for my son or my daughter to turn 11 or 12, understanding that girls mature at a slightly faster rate than boys, understanding that girls come into a much more um, uh, you know, intense hormonal stage, yes. that they come into that stage around fifth or sixth grade, and they, that happens before the boys do a lot of times. And, and knowing and recognizing these simple truths so that you can stay one step ahead of the world and their flesh and remind them of these biblical truths, that takes a lot of intentionality and it requires a parent that's willing to be sober with their kids and have grave conversations. It does, but praise the Lord. I mean, we we know what's coming, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we we know what's coming. We we know what's coming against them. We know the world. And so what we're doing from a training perspective is we're training them to be able to stand on their own with God against Satan's agenda in the world. Yeah. And so it would be negligent of us if we did not have these conversations. Mm-hmm. We'd be feeding them to the wolves. Yeah. Why would we do that? Yeah, it's like blinding them. Absolutely. And so I always mar I, I not marvel, but I, I I chuckle, that's probably a better word. I chuckle when I hear things like, Hey, you know, you gotta have the talk with your kids, you know, the talk about the birds and the bees and all that. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Well, I wish it was just one talk. Right. It's not just one talk. No, no. It's we talk. Yeah. And it's yeah. slow and it's progressive. Yes. But but in for, in order for things to be kind of slow and progressive, it requires intention and even You've got to be discerning. You do. Like you just have to be, like you said earlier, watching your kids yes. um, and watching what's taken in. Because sometimes you, just by watching their development, you can't tell right. what it is that they've gleaned from the world. They heard something at school that's got their mind racing, and 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 you don't you know you don't know because their behavior isn't letting on that there's something going on inside of their mind. You've got to be very discerning you and do. careful to know your children, ask hard questions, and. And so that it draws out the incongruence that they're getting in the lost world. It's drawing those things out, and then you can address them. You can apply the salve if need to, right. but then also weaponize them. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And and you're, I mean, you're 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 exactly you're exactly right. And you don't assume anything, mm-hmm. right? And so you do have to be assertive, and they have to know. And and for my our children, I, I think it's. This is so common for them that we have a culture of communication and it goes both ways, you know, where they will come and they will ask questions. What do you think about this? Or someone at school said this or a teacher said that Mm -hmm. or it's it's the culture that that we've created Mm -hmm. that says we we discuss these things. Yeah. Uh, And but I will say this as a parent, it's 
this is huge. Their decisions are telling you everything. Mm -hmm. You just watch their decisions. They do not lie. Yeah. The choices they're making, they are showing you which way they're going. They're showing you where they are. Mm. And so I, I just, there isn't a day that goes by. Like I, I will watch, you know, I, you know, again, I can be, I can be in the bedroom and my wife can be in the kitchen and she can call one of the children. They can be in the basement or in their room, Ken or Bree. So I hear that. But what I'm listening for very carefully is how do they respond to that? Is it yes or what? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. but that, that's, and so at one point in our training, I had to coach. I had, I had to address that. Hey, some time out. Let's, let's hit rewind. So when mom calls you, there is a way that we respond to that. The way that you responded to that is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. It's not pleasing to the Lord. So when mom calls your name, I really don't care where you are or what you're doing. This is how I need you to respond. Yeah. Yes, mom. Yeah. And I think with that, I mean, going back to having these hard conversations, the one thing that people who are listening don't know about you that I do know is that you spend so much of your time and energy supporting and loving your kids that, that it's that love and support that justifies and scaffolds your ability to, to have sober conversations because it's the parent that doesn't have the heart of their child that, will f- that these conversations will just fall on deaf ears. They'll be vain. And so I think it's critical that, the, that love be cultivated so that um, you know, when correction takes place, it's not grievous right. and it doesn't provoke your children to wrath, which I think is for fathers, obviously the admonition is if we provoke our children's children to wrath, we will lose them. We will. Most definitely we will. And, and, and hip, hypocritical feedback, critical feedback that's unfounded, um, failure to love fully, like all these things do provoke teens in particular to be rebellious and, and to be wrathful. I really appreciate you saying that. And, and again, not that I have or do it perfectly or ever will, but if I can borrow an expression from Sam, I have their heart and they have mine. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. And I think in terms of not provoking our children to wrath, I think one of the things that parents have to do, and I, and I think for, for both boys and girls, there are some things that there are some phrases that they need to hear and know that they're genuine on a regular basis. Um, one is, I love you. Yeah. Like my children must hear that from me and know that I mean it, Yeah, right? I say it, I text it, I express it, I love you. Another one is I'm, I'm so very proud of you. Mm-hmm. And I am, you know, it's, you talked about just being involved. Like if, you know, it's rare that I'm gonna miss something that they're a part of. Right. I'm there, I'm the biggest cheerleader in the room competing with their mother for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to celebrate achievement, you want to celebrate success, it's a big deal. I want them to know the reason I'm so proud of you is because that pleases God. Mm-hmm. And I'm all over that. Yeah. And so, it, so it, it does, it positions us now to be able to have those constructive moments where they don't walk away crushed and right. defeated. Right, yeah, it's good. 
just if we can, I want to change directions sure. a little bit, direct direction a little bit, because your kids are actively involved in ministry here at the church. And I think for Very a lot solid. of parents um, with their teens, it's hard to distinguish or figure out uh, or even va- fully value the ministry, the youth ministry within the church. And I think the pers- having a proper perspective of how that group is supposed to make an investment into your children. How much space should you give them? Uh, how important is it to make sure that your kids are assembling with with the youth group? When your kids uh, make a complaint against the youth group, or it's you know it's just boring, or so, such so and so does such and such, and you know, and because this is what parents run into a lot of time is like the kids are are saying things and and they listen to their kids and they're liable to listen to their kids over maybe even the youth pastor. And there's a strain, there's all these dynamics that come with having a teenager involved in church. They're not quite with the adults yet. Maybe they long for that. Maybe, um, you know, they've outgrown some of the things that that they're participating in. It's tough. So for you, how do you understand that? How do you have perspective on the youth group at the church, and how do you promote proper involvement from your kids? Where are the boundaries? Where are the lines? What are the expectations that we should have for youth ministers? Yeah. Again, uh, very, very rich, very full. You could say a lot about it. I know. I, I feel like I'm always loading up multiple questions on you, but yeah. I, it's it's with the intent that you would rant. Oh, well. I'm leaving you space to rant. Well, this is good. <laughs> I, I really appreciate the question because yeah. I, I think it's very important. So it's critical to establish that from our home to the church, the expectations do not change. Mm. They do not. And and I only say this from a very honest place. My children do not complain or murmur about what Pastor Jeff or Josh O'Hara or the leaders are doing or not doing mm-hmm. that that's just not that's just not done mm-hmm. it's it, it it wouldn't be allowed because again the expectations are the same you wouldn't do that at home about me or your mother why would you do it to someone who's in spiritual authority in the church mm-hmm. it, it that's foreign we just don't do that and so pastor jeff is has come alongside of your mother and me and he has the same heart for you that we have. His desire is to see you go in the right way. Mm-hmm. His desire is to see you walk with God in a way that glorifies God and only pleases him. And so Jeff and I and Josh and that whole group, we're all on the same team. We all have the same heart. We have the same goals and vision for our children, for my mm-hmm. children, me and Lori, right? So. And so now I do understand that when it comes to ownership and the heavy lifting of parenting, that falls to me and Lori. I yeah. completely get that and I accept that. At the same time, I am so very grateful for the supplementary investment from the student ministry here. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an exceptional compliment mm-hmm. to what we're doing at home. And so I'm thankful for it. So. Yes. Now, it's only a compliment. And you said several really important things. So you refer to it as a supplement or a compliment. And I, and I love that language because that's what it is. Yes. Um, but you have to first believe that they have the best interests of your children in mind. 
And I think uh, that there's a cynicism a lot of times, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking about anyone specific, but I just think sometimes you're involved in a church, it's a big church. When, when you have the heart as a parent, like you're not afraid to level complaints against your pastor, hmm. right? Like if, if you think it's okay to critique your pastor on the car ride home, you know, it only sets up your family yes, it does. to be discontent with their leadership. Absolutely. And so then you're not, no one can possibly perceive the youth pastor or the counselors as being supplemental or in your corner or having your best interest or being a partner in the work. And, and unless, unless you first recognize that your job is to submit to them too. And, and it is a teamwork and it is a family. This is the body of Christ. We are fitly joined, you know? So it's, I think it's what you're talking about is not, it's easier to talk about than to do. And a lot of parents aren't doing it. Absolutely. You, you, you painted that picture of the car ride home and um, pastor bashing is not a practice in our home. I wouldn't think so. Not a practice. Right. And so our children understand. And let me tell you, if I can, you know, let me brag on Pastor Jeff Gracier for just a moment. Yeah, he's a youth pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. He absolutely is. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for, for Jeff. And so we talked earlier about as our children get older, we have to loosen our grip, right? And so Jeff and I had a conversation one day and he mentioned to me, hey, I would really love to mentor Ken someday. Mm. And initially I'm thinking, he doesn't need a mentor. Right. He's got one. I'm his father. He, mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit very quickly, just humble yourself and listen. And so we talked more and, and I ran it by Ken and he goes, yeah, I think that'd be great. I'm like, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> you know, but no, it, it, it takes more, mm -hmm. right? That, that, that supplementary, complementary investment is only good for Ken. I'm not going to be the only man, the only leader that God uses to invest in his life and train him the way he should go. And so that mentoring relationship has taken form. And here's Jeff Gracier, who is a bivocational pastor. Okay, he's a full-time teacher. He's, he's a, a husband and a father of mm -hmm. three beautiful girls. Mm -hmm. Okay, And he's very involved here in ministry at MBT. He's a graduate of the Living Faith Bible Institute. And here's a man who is willing to take my son twice a month and spend hours with him. Hours. Mm -hmm. Investing the word of God into his life, giving him principles, encouraging him, reinforcing the things that I'm teaching him. Yeah. <laughs> and my son's going to come home and bash him? Right. I don't think so. Right. right. I don't think so. Yeah, it's tough. And, and, and obviously not, you know, every youth group might not, um, you know, they're not all the same. Right. And we're not, we're not talking about any specific youth group, but really at the end of the day, anyone that's willing to invest any time into your children with a, with a biblical and right heart intent, um, man, that's a, that's a person that we should revere and respect and be thankful for. Yes. You know, and, uh, so, you know, supporting that work for, as parents is really important. And you mentioned like the conversations that you have with Jeff, but I think it's really appropriate for 
parents of teens to to can like occasionally reach out to the youth pastor or the youth director and say, just like you did when you were with your kids when you were young, how are they doing? What should I know? Right. Is there anything you need to know? Can we help one another? Can you help me with such and such? Can I help you with such and such? And that that dialogue is critical for getting that complementary development that you were talking about earlier. It is. And 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 to that, I will tell you that some of the most precious moments I've had over this past year have been in my office behind a closed door, having a heart to heart with Jeff mm-hmm. about my son. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, this is super encouraging. Praise the Lord. Hey, over here, this is what I'm coaching. This is what I'm working on. And and Jeff saying, yeah, I can see that. And and we're a team. Yeah. And it's not like I look at Jeff as a threat or he's replacing. No, he is. God is using him. Same with my daughter now, who's in, in mentoring. And when that just got started recently, Lori and I sat down with the young lady who's mentoring her, and we had a, a very open, honest discussion about our daughter. Hey, let me tell you, there are some wonderful traits about her. I mean, praise God, praise God, praise God. Here are some things here that that we see. Here are some things that we're working on, mm-hmm. just so you are aware. Yeah. And and it's, and again, it's just. It's we are a team. I, I can't emphasize that. Yeah, enough. that's good. And then with that, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but when I was in youth ministry, you know, it was really common for parents probably to put more emphasis in the teenage years on activity. Mm. And so you'd have a kid that was involved with theater or with sports or, you know, track, basketball, whatever mm. it is, to the point where it was, it caused them to neglect youth activities. And where is the balance here? This is imp- I think this is important for parents of teens to understand. Where what does it look like to have a balance as it regards activities, you know, secular activities, but then also, you know, the assembly, the gathering together of saints. Sure. How do you guys handle that? That's a very 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 good question. So, for me, it's it's interesting and I and I and I think you're probably here too. I I think one of the things is pastors that were all you know, that that we're all trying to guard against is we never want our children to become embittered against the church or the ministry mm-hmm. because in their estimation the church is always taking my father away from us and the mm-hmm. church is always standing between me and the things that I want to do as a as as a teenager right mm-hmm. and so that balance can look a little different from from family to family but it's something I'm aware of, and it's something that I've always tried to be sensitive to. But here's what, here's what I look at ultimately, is, and again, this is that student issue of studying my children. Mm-hmm. And if I, can, if I can praise the Lord, here I will. But I watch my children on a daily basis, choose without a speech, they choose to get up and sit with an open Bible, with an open heart, open ears, and an open mind, and hear from the Lord daily. Mm-hmm. I see it. I, I 
And then from there, here we, here we go again. Now I'm watching their decisions. Are they obeying the Lord by honoring their father and their mother? Do I see Christ-like traits being formed in their life? So as long as their decisions are showing me that these activities that they're in are not at the expense of that, mm -hmm. I'll support it. Mm -hmm. I'll support it. Now, I'm very careful to say we're not going to do that on a Sunday morning. Like if, if there's something going on, listen, we, 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 can, we can look at that in terms of if, if that's later, we can have that conversation. I'm not saying it's an automatic, even if it's later. It's Sunday. We be careful with that. Um, the, you know, and, and, and now here, here's the thing too. Let me, let me just also, and again, as I'm saying, this, this is, this is, yeah, this there's is a lot of variables. Big, okay. Yeah. So for me, the target number as a father is the age of 20. That, that, that's the number that is very important to me because that was the age in the Old Testament that men could be counted and then they, they could actually go fight in the war. Mm -hmm. So I've always used that in principle as, okay, I'm, I'm really working to get my children ready for that number. Because I feel like once we get to the age of 20, I really start taking a big step back. Mm -hmm. We've trained, we've invested very deliberately, we've poured, we've done everything that we believe we needed to do to get them ready to say, God, here you go. Yeah. Right. Now, there's still some work to be done because 20, you're probably a junior or senior in college somewhere in there. So you're still going to be very active in their transition, if you would. But you're active from a consulting perspective. Yeah. Right. You're not coaching anymore. You're not hands on holding their hand and walking them through every decision. Right. And so I have I have leveraged activities to help teach them things that I believe they're going to need later in life in terms of things like preparation, discipline, hard work. Mm -hmm. All the things that they learn by doing something extracurricular beyond their academic yeah. expectations. Yeah, teamwork, things like that. These, All of yeah. that, right? And so, you know, how, how, to, you know uh, how, how to attack something, how to achieve goals, all of that. But again, never at the expense of their relationship with God. To me, if I could, if I ever saw, and not that I have, but if I ever saw that this is becoming preeminent, it's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's done. Tough. It's tough, but good and principled, right? It's based yes. in principle. And what you're looking for is heart attitude, which is what which is what Christ is looking for in us. He sees our heart, right? And we should be striving to see the heart of our children. Mm -hmm. um, so before we go, you know, there's a there's a couple more things that that I felt like, you know, I asked Chris Best this in the, in the um, parenting conversation I had with him was uh, how do you sit down with your spouse and strategize? How do you come up with the standard? Um, how do you talk through? the nuance of issues for a young child, you know, that's obviously, obviously like how do we approach training and discipline in a very literal, you know, obey, be kind, that right. kind of stuff. As it gets older and their character comes in and it begins to blossom, 
it becomes more complex, right? Because like you mentioned, do they know teamwork? Do they know how to work well with others? Right. Do they, do, are they disciplined? Do they know how to get up and, and do work? Um, you know, do they turn, do they turn their eye away when wickedness presents itself? Right. You know, it begins, begins hard, it gets harder. And I would think that the consultation that you need to have with your wife, Lori, they, they need to be more frequent and they, they need to be more pointed. Right. What does it look like for you and Lori to work through this stuff together as a team? Sure. Without you just saying, hey, this is how it's got to be. You're like working together. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. we talked earlier about, you know, we have family meetings, right? Mm -hmm. Where the four of us sit down at the table and we talk about different things and, and goals and, and all of that. And so, well, Lori and I have those same meetings just between the two of us mm -hmm. and where we're catching up and the, the, the tone of those meetings are we're basically comparing notes. So I want to hear what, what you're saying, what you're observing. I want to make sure that you see what I'm saying and what I'm observing. And without fail, we're both seeing the same things, mm -hmm. both positive and constructive. Mm -hmm. And so especially as the kids are getting older and now we're having more decisions about college and what that looks yeah. like and and driving and, and all of that. And Jeez. then autonomy, you know, them going out and, and doing things without us being there. We talk through all that. Mm -hmm. What do you see? What do you think? What concerns do you have? Here are the concerns that I have. So here's one that that came up recently is our daughter. You know, the, she's in choir at, in high school, and they're taking a trip to Orlando. Oh, yeah. And so she has presented that to us. She really wants to go. Yeah. Well, Lori and I. Everyone else is. Everyone else is going, right? <laughs> Lori and I are talking through that. We're praying through that in terms of whether or not Brie goes on that trip. Yeah. We've heard from Brie. We appreciate her input. She has a voice, and, and that's critical. As they get older, their voice should become bigger. Mm -hmm. They have a greater say. They have a stake in these decisions, too. And so we want them to feel free to say, Dad, I, I can share with you. I would really like to go. So I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Well, I appreciate that. We'll pray about it. We'll keep discussing it and then we'll come to a decision. And so, but we just, we talk through it and it's honest. And I think one of the things that, so first of all, let me just say this. If, if this isn't a practice in your life, it won't be a practice in your parenting. If you're the type of person, you're not honest with yourself, you won't be honest with your children. Mm. And so I think one of the things that parents can do is they can choose to ignore the constructive areas of their children, the areas for development, the areas where they're weakened and they need to grow. You can't do that. No. That is only to their detriment. And so as Lori and I talk together, as we've done for years, when we identify, you know, those areas where the kids need to grow, okay, we see it. Now how do we address that? How do we coach that up? How do we help them correct that? Yeah. Because their weakness is your weakness. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, such a big idea because as long as Brie or Ken are deficient in some area, well, as the parents, you you have to own that the burden of that same exact weakness. You do. That's a that's heavy, and I don't think we often see things that way. I think, oh, well, that's a character flaw in my son, and I need to, you know, be aware of it or whatever. You know, I need to address it. But actually, I need to own it. Yes. Like I need to own it. 
as long as he's under my roof. Well, God, and, and, but, and God does that with us. Yes. He's honest with us. Yeah. Right? What does Paul say? Paul says, well, don't quench the spirit. Well, when would I be tempted to quench the spirit or grieve the spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is pointing something out in my life. He's showing me something mm-hmm. that is inconsistent with God's word. I don't need to think, speak, or behave in a certain way. And because God is faithful, truthful, and only honest, he's pointing it out. Yeah. yeah. You know, when Paul wrote to the, the church at Corinth, he was honest and he says, hey, I, I want to speak to you as spiritual, but right. I can't. You're carnal. Right. It's the truth. Yeah. And so it's the same approach. Like we, the, the, the worst thing I could ever do to my children is be dishonest with them about something that I clearly see. And again, back to the, the, the point of, of not provoking them to wrath. It's not that I point everything out that we see. It's mm-hmm. not that. That would be discouraging. That would provoke them to wrath. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for is when we identify a certain bent in the wrong direction, a heart attitude. A heart attitude, a pattern of thinking, speaking, and behavior that says, that's not the way you need to go. Mm-hmm. We got we to gotta, we gotta yeah. address that. Yeah, that's good. Well, Kenny, I, I feel like I could ask you a million more questions, but we won't do that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say I'm so thankful for your example. You know, my, my oldest is 10. Um, my kids are right behind you. They'll be Absolutely. the same age as your kids pretty soon. And um, your example, uh, along with a lot of other really godly people in my life, uh, their examples as well, are so beneficial for me because it does inform the way that I parent, the way that I lead. Um, and so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I'm, I'm thankful for this conversation. It's helpful. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't share this. Before Lori and I got married, there was a couple by the name of John and Cherie Wright. Uh-huh. Cherie is Sam's, our pastor is Sam's sister. John is his brother-in-law. And they sat down with us and spent months with us preparing us for marriage, you know, mm-hmm. premarital counseling as we, we've come to know what are starting right. And we're so thankful for their investment to this day. And we have, we have quoted them as so many times over the years, I, I, I can't even count. But one of the things that they did was during that time of preparation for our marriage, it, they taught us about parenting. Mm-hmm. Which at the time for both of us, we were like, why are we talking about, we don't have any kids, like marriage, right? Right. And so they they definitely covered the marriage part and did a great job. But we were in their home and we got, God gave us a visual. Yeah, firsthand picture. Of the things they were teaching us about parenting. And what it did was it served as our blueprint Mm -hmm. for what we were striving for. And so... I'm so very thankful to the Lord, His Word, and Him using them to help us get ready for not just marriage, but parenting. And the things that God used them to teach us were things that we just trusted God to just obey and apply in our approach. Our work is not done yet, but I will tell you, we have two teenage children that live in our home, and we love them, and they love us. And we enjoy being together. Like we heard all these horror stories about the teen years. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that my home is perfect or my children, nothing's perfect in my life or in my home, but we genuinely enjoy being together. That's great. Man. 
Or they're or they're really good actors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they're. Acting. Praise God, man! I'm so thankful. Thanks for hanging out with me, man. I really appreciate. Thanks for having it. me, bro. I love you, dude. Love you, man. And uh, we want to thank you for being with us. And hopefully, uh, today's episode was a blessing to you. I mean, whether you have teens or not, um, it's really important to have a vision and a perspective uh, that's that's ahead of you. You know, um, so you can you can use this episode as an opportunity to imagine your life. Uh, with kids and with teens and, and picture yourself uh, doing and employing biblical principles. And so we want to invite you to do that. We also want to invite you to check out lfbi.org, uh, where we have uh, teaching and training that goes from the, the, the theological to the theoretical to the very practical, just like today's uh, episode, very topical and, and practical information that will help you as a leader, as a leader in the pulpit, as a leader in the Sunday school class and in a ministry, uh, but also in your home. And so uh, lfbi.org is a place to go if you wanna learn more from men, uh, just like Pastor Kenny Morgan. We love you. We're grateful for this time. If this episode was a blessing to you, please share it, review it, uh, like it, do whatever you do. We're on every podcast platform and on YouTube. Uh, But uh, with all that said, we hope to see you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, Please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.